Lord, we come to you thankful for your commandment to us, which challenges us and lifts us all the more into your presence, Lord. We think about loving you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And so, Lord, we come to give you our heart, that you might transform it, you might nurture it, you might bless it so that we can love you all the more, love our neighbor all the more, and serve you faithfully. So bless us in this time, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So last week we talked about loving God with all of our heart. Tonight we're going to talk about loving God with all of our soul. Now I don't know how well you know Lake Arrowhead. I've been to Lake Arrowhead several times. Enjoy it there. It's a very nice area. And there's one particular place that I enjoy going in Lake Arrowhead. If you've been to the shopping area there, you might know of this, the Thomas Kincaid Gallery. Now, as you walk through the gallery, you'll see all his different paintings. And it's interesting, you know, they always have the lights shining down on it special to bring out certain parts of the painting to really make it look um, wonderful. And they have this detailed texture and the color contours and Of course, as an artist, he painted all this to bring out a special effect from his painting. But I'm sure that it's true that only certain people who look at these paintings can really appreciate the nuances and the depth of paintings. I'm not a painter, and so when I look at it, I enjoy the colors and I might enjoy the scenery, but I wouldn't enjoy that painting or the paintings like maybe an artist or a painter would enjoy them. Most people don't take the time to study and analyze the paintings. They just try to take in the aesthetic value of it. They take in the scene, they experience it on a very superficial level. They experience it with their eyes, but not with their soul. God has created us in a way where we can see more, experience more, and enjoy more. Leonardo da Vinci once observed that the average person looks without seeing listens without hearing, touches without feeling, eats without tasting, inhales without awareness of odor or fragrance, and talks without thinking. (laughs) I think most of us do that, right? I wonder if that is how God feels about us. The very first picture we get of God is as an artist, right? We read in Genesis 1 how God was creating the world, and it goes into detail about the magnificence and the intricacy of this world that he created for you and me. And at times, if you remember the scripture, he would stop, and he would stand back to look at his work, and what would he say? It was good. And after making man and woman, he said, it is very good. God was awed by his own creation. Have you ever done that? You created something and you stood back and you're like, wow, that's pretty good. I created that. That's, that's, pretty, that's pretty awesome, right? I don't know about you, but there's something about listening to the ocean or being in the mountains or standing in the shadow of a giant sequoia tree that our, action, our reaction is like a godly reaction, right? We marvel at the work of God. It is easier, though, to just go through our lives giving God a passing glance rather than really hallowing his name, taking in his glory, enjoying his majesty that is experienced through his 
creation. Tonight, I want us to get a deeper understanding of loving God with our soul on a deeper, deeper level. One of the amazing parts of our world is the Grand Canyon. I've been there a few times now, but you can never really fully take it in, right? Now, I've taken pictures. And have you ever done that? You take a, you're like, wow, that is amazing. You take a picture, and then you look at the picture, and you're like, that's not what I'm seeing, right? The picture doesn't do it justice, right? So you need to be there in the presence, but then you're there in the presence, and then you're looking, you can't see it all, right? Because you just are standing in a little part of it, and you're kind of, you know, you're low, and you're not seeing it. And, and even when you get those pictures that are taken professionally, and you see a bigger portion of it, you still don't take in the wonder and the grandeurs. I mean, you try to show it for someone else and say, let me tell you my experience at the Grand Canyon. And you show them a picture, and there's no way that they can experience from your picture what you experienced being there, right? There's no way that you can get that across, the beauty and the wonder and the grandeur and the massiveness of the Grand Canyon. That is because you can't experience the Grand Canyon deductively. You can't just share facts about the Grand Canyon how wide and deep and long it is. Facts don't us. But being there, even though you can't take it all in, that is what awes us when you're in the presence of that Grand Canyon. The other day I saw a picture of a sunrise someone posted on Instagram. It was a beautiful picture, but I know that I didn't appreciate it the way the person who took the picture appreciated it. Their picture couldn't convey to me what they were experiencing standing there watching the sun rise and then taking that picture and feeling the whatever they experienced in the midst of that sunrise. The more of God's creation we experience, though, the better we will be at being in awe of God, of his presence, of his divine beauty, of his wonder, of his glory, and his power. Blaise Pascal, a French philosopher, once said, all of men's miseries derive from not being able to sit quietly in a room alone. Interesting statement. All of man's miseries derive from not being able to sit quietly in a room alone. Now, you might not agree with that statement, but what he's trying to say is, we struggle with silence, but silence is one of the soul's love languages. For us to be able to love God with all of our soul, we must learn how to be silent in the presence of God. Silent, silent in the presence of his world. Thomas Carlyle, the 19th century Scottish essayist, said, Worship is transcendent wonder, wonder for which there is no limit or measure. That is worship. Worship is being able to stand in the presence of God and be in awe of God because you have glimpsed his beauty and the depth of his love even a little, right? The more you grow in your faith in God, the more you experience the presence of God, the more you experience the power of God, the more you, if you've experienced healing from God, the more you experience of God, when you stand in his presence, you will feel in awe of God. I've often said to people, worship doesn't just happen on Sunday morning. Worship is a culmination of everything that happened in your week. 
all your experiences, if you're including God in your life, if you're including God in your experiences, and God is with you every moment of every day, and you're experiencing Him, and you're praying, and He's going through your ups and your downs and your highs and your lows, and you have the presence of God with you all throughout the week, and you're worshiping Him in different ways, and you're praying, and you're experiencing fellowship with other Christians, and all of this is happening during the week, and then you come to church on Sunday morning, your worship experience will be far deeper and more profound than someone that just comes on Sunday and says, well, I guess I'll give my hour to God now and try to experience God's presence and be in awe of God. You can't do it. Can't do it. Let's put Psalm 29 on the screen again. And uh, Jules read it for us, but I want us to read it together. And thinking about all I've said about creation, about being in awe of God, of all of this, let's say this Psalm together. Here we go. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf, Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The voice sits enthroned. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. This is a psalm about the wonder of God, the power of God. Do you rejoice at the wonder and the power of God? What part of creation stirs you? If I were to go around and ask you, what stirs you when you get, you know, maybe it's the Grand Canyon or maybe it's Jude's Mountains or the, or the mountains or the, or the sea or the crashing wave. What in creation stirs you? What part of creation leads you to worship God more deeply? Part of the wonder of God is that at any given moment, he can invade our reality and give us a glimpse of his glory. I know that I experienced... This when uh, Tammy and I were in Maui, and we walked up the seven falls at Hana. I don't know if you know that, but there's seven falls, and you go up higher and higher and higher, and it just is beautiful and, and wonderful. And each fall we passed was beautiful, but then we got to the top. And when you get to the top, there's this bamboo forest, and the bamboo trees have grown so tall that they have, are leaning against each other now. So as you walk through them, it's actually kind of dark as you walk through them because they have grown over each other. It's kind of like a canopy that they have formed. And after we get through the, got through the bamboo forest, there's another fall at the top. An amazing, beautiful waterfall. And I just remember going there and just being in awe of God's creation standing there. Another miracle I experienced by the grace of God was the birth of my children. Any of you who have children would probably understand and agree with me. Seeing this life come out of my wife, 
was just amazing, amazing. Something we had created together. God is the creator, but he gave us the ability to create life. Think about that for a moment. He gave us the ability to create life. I remember bringing, we were home in less than 24 hours after Tammy gave birth. And I remember standing, and she probably remembers me saying this too, and I looked at her and said, we are responsible for this. <laughs> I mean, not just creating it, but for taking care of it now, right? And there's no manual, right? You're like, what do I do? But how amazing and beautiful this child is. A creation of God. These are the kinds of moments when heaven invades earth, where the wonder and glory of God can be seen. In a different way, I experience it when I meditate, when I, when I just try to be quiet and, and quiet my mind and quiet my thoughts and just feel the presence of God and, and maybe let God speak words into my mind that I'm trying not to speak, that I'm not trying to control. Forgetting the things of the world, not dwelling on those things, my worries, my anxieties, my concerns, but dwelling on the presence of God. And if I do it well, which sometimes I do, and I do it for like 10 or 15 minutes, even in 10 or 15 minutes, I've gotten to the place where after 10 or 15 minutes, I've done this, and I open my eyes, and I just kind of feel just like everything around me is glowing. I mean, it's just kind of, I'm in just in a different place. I'm calm and at peace and just experiencing God's presence in a very um, profound way, just more sensitive to God's presence, experience the world differently for a time, more reverently. I remember even doing it one time. I, I was at a park. I used to take the kids to school when they were young, and there was this park right next to me. So I'd pull over, and I'd park at the park, and I would spend some time meditating. And then after a little bit, I'm like, oh, okay, I should get to the office. So I get in my car, and I'm glowing, and I'm just like, oh, man, I'm feeling so good. And I turn around the street, and all of a sudden, someone cuts me off or something, and then boom, it's gone, right? <laughs> it's like, wow, I had that experience for just a moment. And then the world hit, right? Oh, my gosh. But when you spend that time in the presence of God and feel that, Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. Thank God for epiphanies like these, where we glimpse God on a deeper level, where our eyes are open to behold the beauties and the realities that we were blind to before God opened our eyes, that opened the eyes of our soul and be able to see something a little bit deeper in a little bit more spiritual way. As Jesus said, let him who has eyes see. He didn't mean... You know, no one had eyes. Of course, everyone had eyes. He was talking about the eyes of the soul, to see on a deeper level. We're told in Proverbs 20, verse 12, ears that hear and eyes that see, that see, the Lord has made them both. Now, if you think about the miracle of our bodies and how our bodies work together and how complex it is, how magnificent it is, to me, that alone speaks of a creator. I mean, I remember looking at Tyler when he was born, more so with Tyler than Tiffany, because it was your first. Your first is just so overwhelming and amazing. And I remember looking at Tyler and just, this is a, a, a person, but he's tiny. I mean, 
everything's small. You know, it's all there, but it's all just really small, right? And you're looking at this like, this is a real person, but so small, you know, it's so, so amazing. And everything, wow, it just works together and just marveling at life itself in that moment. Most of us take our eyesight for granted. The retina, for example, creates close to 10 billion calculations every second. Is that astounding? The retina conducts close to 10 billion calculations every second. And that is before an image even travels into the optic nerve and the visual cortex. It's nothing short of miraculous and mysterious to see with our eyes, and even more to see with our soul. Speaking of miraculous, each of the, our five senses is nothing short of miraculous. I could go about talking about each one of them. But the truth is that our, our sources come, or our, um, our, sen our senses come with sensory limitations. We can only hear certain sounds to a certain range, right? And maybe when you get older, you hear less sounds and less range, right? And your eyes see less distant and less clear, I might say. To take in the fullness of reality, we have to experience it spiritually, not just physically. God sees the way around everything, and for us to have a fuller perspective, we must connect with God on this spiritual level, on this level of the soul. 1 Corinthians 2, 9-10 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Holy Spirit compensates for our sensory limitations by enabling us to conceive of things we cannot perceive with our five senses. Think of the Holy Spirit as a sixth sense, helping us to see the invisible and hear the inaudible. He gives us eyes to see and ears to hear. That's how Jesus can say, he who has eyes to see and ears to hear. Because when we become Christians, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're given this depth of hearing and seeing and experiencing. Before we have the Holy Spirit, we cannot see and understand the spiritual realm. We need the Holy Spirit to see with spiritual eyes. Without spiritual eyes, we see in a two-dimensional world. Then the Holy Spirit gives us his depth perception. He opens our eyes to see even ordinary miracles around us. There are miracles happening all the time that oftentimes we're blind to until we let the Spirit open our eyes and see these things as miracles. It expands the, expands the size of our God-given imagination and beyond that. Like when Tammy and I have gone to the symphony, Tammy enjoys the music. She enjoys the experience. She likes to go and she, she enjoys it just fine. But she would agree that she experiences it on a more superficial level than I do. When I go, having been a music major, this is how I experience the symphony. Oh, listen to the clarinets. Oh, and they're, they're mixing with the trumpets. And oh, listen to the violins. And oh, look at that run. And, and oh, the dissonance right there. Oh, man, and then it resolved. That's how I listen to the symphony, right? Now, if I actually spoke that out loud, that would drive Tammy crazy, and that would probably drive anyone crazy around me. But as a music major, understanding music, having written music, played music, conducted music, done things with music, 
I understand the depth and the meaning of music. And so I experienced the symphony on a very much deeper level than Tammy does, who just says, I just want to go and listen to it. Just let me listen to it, okay? I don't need to know who wrote it. I didn't need to know that, you know, that this is whatever. I don't need to know all of this. I just want to experience it and enjoy it, okay? I'm like, yeah, but what about, did you hear how the, the, the clarinets were, were, were mixing with the flutes? And, did, you, did you experience that, the incredible talent that it took to play, right? Or the, the way the, the conductor brought it all together, right? Most people don't go to the symphony and analyze a piece in that way. And heaven forbid, if it's a piece that I've known or played before, then I really break it down, right? And sometimes I have to stop myself and just say, you know what, stop thinking about it like that for a moment. Just experience and enjoy it for a moment. Just experience the music as a whole and, and take it in. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us on a spiritual level. So many people go around life experiencing life superficially. They miss out on so much. They don't see how the joining together of lives builds harmony. They don't see how each of us is unique, yet meant to work together and be together and bless each other. They don't see the spirit at work and the small miracles that happen at all these different moments of the day. They don't see the depth of life that God created. 1 Peter 1.18 says, Your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. God consciousness is the most primal form of consciousness. And the longer we journey, the more of his presence we become aware until we see him everywhere all the time. And our spiritual eyes are open and we constantly see God at work. God's presence, we feel his presence, we experience his depth. We become less self-conscious and more God-conscious. A wonderful truth about the Bible is that it gives witness to the living and acting revelation of God, of creation and salvation. If we only listen to what God is saying to us through it and submit to God and respond to his love, then we can truly discover the wonder of life and the wonderful relationship that we have with God. The Bible is the way God reveals his wonder in written form. The Bible beckons us to explore and discover, not just with our mind and not even with our heart, but with our soul. When we read the Bible, we get a one-dimensional picture. This is important and where the discovery begins, but it's not where it ends. We then are to meditate on it, think about it, chew on it, and see it in a second dimension, a deeper level. But there is a third dimension of discovery as well. And that comes when we apply it to our lives and we live it. Not only do we read it, but we understand it, and then we apply it. Radio waves cannot be seen or heard or felt. To access radio waves, you have to have a machine, a radio, that is capable of tuning in to the right frequency. As long as you're on the right wavelength, a world of information comes to you, right, through the radio. Now, this is true of God. The Holy Spirit is here for us. He's broadcasting, but we have to be on that right frequency. We have to be on that right wavelength to receive and to hear and to experience and to be touched by the Holy Spirit in that deeper level. He speaks to us in a still, small voice. He speaks to us through sanctified desires. 
He speaks to us through divine appointments. He speaks to us through open doors. He speaks to us through spirit-prompted friends who care enough to rebuke, correct, and exhort us. But his primary channel of communication is the Bible, not just the words on the Bible, but the deeper meaning in those words. In his book, Primal, Minister Mark Batterson says there's an interesting illustration about a musical trainer who was hired to work with some opera singers. It so happened that the singers could not hit certain notes, professional opera singers that couldn't hurt certain notes, even though the notes were within their range. The trainer discovered that they could not sing them because for some reason they weren't hearing the notes. Right? You need to hear the note before you sing it. You can't just you know, sing a note. You need to hear it. In your mind, you hear it, and then you sing it. The problem wasn't their singing. The problem was their hearing. Until you and I hear the voice of God, we won't be able to sing the song that he has for us to sing in our life, to live our life in the way he wants us to live. We have to be taught to hear his voice. When you open up the Bible, it helps you to hear the voice of God. And once you know God's voice, then we can seek to love his voice and what he calls us to. Right? He says, I am the shepherd, my sheep know my voice and hear my voice and follow my voice. The interesting thing about sheep is that they will only follow the voice of their master. If someone else calls out to them, they won't follow that voice. They know their master's voice and they follow the master's voice. However, even after you learn to hear God's voice, there will be times when God's voice seems silent. For example, it's easy for me to look at the Bible as a study book, right? I prepare my Bible studies, I prepare my sermons, I prepare my lessons, right? And sometimes I forget to study the Bible as a blessing in my own life, to be blessed and to be led forward in my own personal spiritual walk with God through the Word of God, the Bible where God's voice speaks to me, Chris, the person, and who he wants me to be and how he wants me to live. Now, one challenge you might want to take is to read the Bible all the way through. If you've never read the Bible all the way through, it's a great thing to do, to read it from the beginning to the end and just take it all in. Some, there's, pro, um, there's books that you can buy that will do it in a year, or you can take more than a year if you want to take it slower. But it's a great experience to do. And when you, if you do that, I encourage you to try to hear God's voice through everything that you read. And if you do it and you have trouble hearing God's voice in something, feel free to email me or say, Pastor, I didn't hear God's voice in this. Tell me, where is God's voice, right? And try to figure out where is God's voice. Now, one challenge I've taken on is that, uh, I don't know, it was about uh, eight and a half years ago, I looked at Tammy one day and I said, I'm going to memorize a psalm a month. She's like, why? And I said, I don't know, I just felt like, you know, having the word of God in my head, I just, I'm currently in Psalm 104. And have read, you know, I've, so in, uh, I think, 102 months, I've done 104 psalms. Well, I haven't finished Psalm 104 yet, but I'm in Psalm 104. So sometimes it drags Tammy crazy, but I, every day I say 103 psalms, you know, and, and then I learn the next verse and say what I'm learning. I do that because I want the Word of God constantly flowing in my head. I want the Word of God to be 
washing over my very soul. Louis Agassiz was a celebrated 19th century paleontologist and a Harvard professor. He learned firsthand observation was an important teaching method. In fact, rumor has it that he returned to school after a summer and told his students that he had spent an entire summer traveling and he had only made it halfway across his backyard. Now that's observation, right? That is in-depth observation. We are in need of being more concerned with what we can attain from the scriptures. We're too easily satisfied in our study, meaning that you might think you already know a verse or a passage, and you come to a passage and you think, oh, I've read that before, and you rob yourself of the beauty of what God wants to show you fresh and anew in that verse. For example, John 3.16 might be one of those verses. Every time you come to John 3.16, you might say, oh, I know that verse. But what does God want to say to you today through that verse? St. Ignatius Loyola taught his followers a spiritual exercise called imaginative meditation. And he encouraged them to enter the gospel stories. Imagine the sights, the sounds, the smells, right? If you're talking about sheep, what does that smell like? Oh, okay, that must not smell good. What about Mary and Joseph being in the barn with all those animals, right? You know, we maybe romanticize that experience, right, of Jesus being born. But think about that on a real level of what was going on when Mary and Joseph were there and she was given birth in a barn. Now, think about that. You take it in and you begin to, to really reflect deeply upon a scripture. Some truths cannot be deduced by left brain logic. It can only be induced by right brain imagination. When we begin to discover it this way, we seek to be obedient all the more because we get a deeper experience of our faith and love for God. We really need the Bible to transform us. That's what the Bible is designed to do. God's word is designed to transform us. Not just inform us, not just teach us something we don't know, not just remind us of something spiritual, but transform our very beings, the very way we think and live our life. So I'm going to put James, the James passage back on. And as we, we're going to read it here in a second. But when I was a youth, one of the things when I was being discipled, I learned this thing called two proact. Fancy word, but it basically just stands for a bunch of words. And so two means for the two P's and then R-O-A-P-T. So it's, so basically it says pray or preview, pray, read, observe, apply, pray, tell. So what that means is, actually pray preview. So first you pray. Before you ever read the scriptures, you should always pray. God, give me insight, give me understanding, open my mind. Then the next thing you do is what's called preview. You just read over it. You read over it and you just take it in in full, right? Okay, you just, I just want to get a sense of what it's talking about. And then the next thing is you read it. You read it more in depth, a little bit more in depth. You try to take in a little bit more, understand it a little bit more. And then you observe, you go back and you break it down a little bit. You observe some, some facts about it, some, some important issues. What is the theme? What is it saying? What is it saying to me? What, what is really going on in this passage in Scripture? You observe it on a deeper level. And then you say, how can I apply this to my life? Because if you read Scripture and you don't apply it, 
then it's not going to transform you and it's not going to do what it was designed to do. So then you apply it. And then you pray again at the end, thanking God for the insights and the understanding that he gave you. And then the last one is really important too. You tell. You find someone that you can tell. Doug, this is what I learned today. And the reason why that's important is because I will remember it more if I tell Doug what I learned. How many times have you learned something and then by the end of the day you forgot it? But if you tell someone, then you'll remember it more. And then even more, if Doug is part of my life in that way, then Doug might say the next day, you know, oh, remember, you know, how are you doing on applying that that you told me yesterday? Remember you, you said that you were going to do this. How's that going? And, and then now Doug keeps me accountable. And when we live in that way, when we live the scriptures out in that way, then we experience it on a deeper level. So God doesn't want us to just speak, speak to us through the scripture. He wants to speak through us. He wants to write his story through our lives. The scripture is the script. We read it, we meditate on it, and then we live it out. And in this way, when we live it out through the depth of our soul, we are loving God with our soul. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.